I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and our guest today is Helen Wortbeck, Executive Director of KidsGardening.org, a national organization that's been a leader in the school gardening movement since 1982. Kids Gardening inspires, supports, and connects educators and families by providing garden grants and curriculum, and as they say, by cultivating a community of practice. I really like their stated mission. We create opportunities for kids to learn and grow through gardening, engaging their natural curiosity and wonder. And it's also an opportunity that encouraged me not only to reach out to Helen to join me on the STEM Greenhouse podcast, but also to join the organization's board of directors in 2018. I'm proud to be a part of kidsgardening.org, and I know for a fact that after listening to this episode, you'll also be inspired to engage with them in one of many ways Helen and I discuss here in a bit. I feel this episode is relevant to every person in the horticulture industry, no matter what your segment or role. We all know a teacher. We all know a kid. We're all part of a community, and we all love plants and understand how they can positively impact someone's life or how they engage with the world around them. All of these commonalities mean we have what it takes to lend support to kids gardening. But in the next 40 minutes, we'll all learn a lot more about how impactful a school garden can be, how important garden curriculum is across all ages of students, subjects, in schools, and how a community garden program can lift the spirits of kids who feel alienated and lost, and how getting youth excited about gardening will not only grow our future customer base, but potentially also our future labor force. Get ready to be inspired by Helen and the KidsGardening.org mission. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four points lining up to support one key topic. I recently read a great message in a newsletter from the Garden Center Group that's incredibly important during busy seasons or really any time during the year. The premise of the commentary was how important it is to maintain a sense of balance within a team especially when things get crazy and everyone's running a mile a minute. Four ways to balance and re-energize your team. The newsletter starts with a great piece of advice. Finding your balance can mean a balance between time for you and time for your business or work. Balance can be time for your family or your hobbies and things that help you recharge. And leaders are responsible for making sure that those they lead are healthy and happy. Here's four ideas for you to consider and share with your team. First, time off. Everyone needs downtime, time to recharge, refresh, and move ahead. And this may not seem feasible when times are busy and days are long, but you need to encourage your team and yourself to decompress. Take a day or half day to recharge and then come back the following day reinvigorated. Your work will benefit and you'll see immediate positive results. Next, team recognition. Recognize contributions made by the entire team and individuals each season. Let them participate in ideas on how improvements can be made in the future and reward those ideas. There's so many ways to accomplish this, from team lunches to small monetary rewards and plenty more. You know what motivates your team better than anyone else. Third, separate from rewards, is team events and activities. Think of these as team building and relationship developing more than rewards. Consider planning several events or outings throughout the year. The newsletter suggests activities as simple as a pizza lunch or special items for breakfast a couple of days. This could be a nice surprise, so spring it on them. Consider making them impromptu and not pre-announced. Make it fun and unexpected. And one major point, it does not have to cost a lot. Team time together can be special and uplifting for everyone. The fourth chip in our game of Balance Connect 4 is to promote health initiatives. An integral part of work-life balance is prioritizing health. Long work hours during the busiest times often force employees to sacrifice health and fitness, but as an employer, there are few things you can do to help your workers maintain healthy lifestyles. For example, you can offer discount gym memberships for a fitness center near the greenhouse, nursery, or store. You can also consider holding optional classes at work. Think office-wide yoga on Tuesday mornings. Or encourage company club sports teams like softball or volleyball. Explore your local community for mobile fitness coaches and leagues you can join. Remember, leaders help everyone find their balance. Now, let's jump into this episode of STEM and learn about an organization that's been growing future gardeners for more than 35 years.
It's my pleasure to welcome Helen Rortvet to STEM. Helen has extensive professional background in food systems and experiential education. Prior to joining the kids' gardening team, she co-founded Food Connects, a nonprofit organization in southern Vermont committed to driving food system change through farm-to-school programming and a local food hub serving institutional kitchens, including schools and hospitals. In her work with Food Connects, Helen coached many schools on sustaining their farm-to-school programs, which included both educational and production gardens. Helen's also served as an environmental education volunteer with the Peace Corps in Bolivia. In addition, she has more than 10 years of experience as an outdoor and experiential educator both in the U.S. and abroad, including serving as course director in South America for Where There Be Dragons and a lead instructor at AdventureLinks in Virginia. Helen's a graduate of St. Olaf College and holds an MA in Sustainable Development from SIT Graduate Institute. I'm very excited to talk with Helen and share the message and vision of kids gardening because it's certainly something we can all get behind. Helen, welcome to STEM. Thanks, Phil. It is so great to be here with you today, and thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, and I, I, I'm excited about kidsgardening.org um, because I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with it. It's something that I really feel passionate about, and I know that the industry can all get behind, and I'm really excited to have you on the podcast to, to share a little bit more about the story with our listeners because I do think that creating opportunities for kids through activities supporting the educators that work with them, um, and really just enjoying the, the great outdoors is something that everyone in our industry is passionate about. So why don't we get started by hearing a little bit about the organization, maybe share your specific role. I already, recorded, I already shared your bio um, with the listeners, but I think that understanding how you fit into the organization and some of the, the um, skill set that you bring, and then the overall mission and maybe a quick overview of some of the programs that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, sounds great. So I am the executive director of Kids Gardening, um, and my role here is multifaceted, as you might imagine. I kind of have my hands in, in a little bit of everything, but to oversee um, really the overall advancement of our mission. Um, and our mission is to ensure that all kids have a garden in which to play, learn, and grow. So we do that by supporting the school and youth gardening movement all across the country. We also support families who love to garden um, and other volunteers who are looking to be involved in their communities. We do um, support them by providing lesson plans, educational resources, curriculum books, um, and even just fun activities that you can do with kids um, out in the garden. We also provide grant funding to youth garden programs um, throughout the country and have a variety of opportunities that will appeal to all kinds of different programs. That's really cool. And, and what when you said the play, learn, and grow, I think that those are really, those are three elements of a garden that we all enjoy. I think no matter what age you are, there's an element of play in the garden. There's a, certainly a lot to learn from the way a garden grows, the way you know plants are planted, everything from the biology to the physiology of a, of a garden, and then obviously growing in all sorts of different ways. So I really like how you incorporated all three of those words in the mission. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, starting off with the grant program. You mentioned um, the grant that's provided um, to, to different groups um, all across the country and the resources for educators. So let's start with the youth garden grants. I know that Kids Gardening has awarded grants for many years and I saw a total of like $4 million or, or more and then 1.8 million kids impacted since you guys started the program. That is amazing and impressive. <laughs> so can you share a little bit more about the grant program and maybe some success stories that you can think of from some sure. of the recent projects you guys have done? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So we started the Youth Garden Grant Program way back in 1982, and it's been running every year since then. So we've been really fortunate to work with amazing garden programs all across the country, supporting them with both financial resources and in-kind donations from some of our industry partners. 
Um, and we find that a small infusion of resources into a school or youth garden program goes a really long way. Um, so it's been really wonderful to see that program develop over all of these years and to still remain strong um, to this day. We, we do run several additional grant programs beyond the Youth Garden Grant, each with their own sort of specific um, goals and program requirements, um, but, but generally they're all working to get more kids outside into the garden. So in this year, in 2019, or actually in the, in the past school year, the 2018-19 school year, we ran four different grant programs and we awarded 221 programs, um, which directly impacted over 82,000 kids just this year alone. So we're really excited about that. Um, and our grant winners just run the gamut. They're so creative. They're from all across the country. Um, there are urban rooftop gardens being installed in uh, the Bronx and in Queens, and there are rain gardens being installed in Michigan, and um, a zeriscaping garden in the dry, arid desert in Albuquerque. There's pollinator patches going in everywhere across the country to help our pollinator friends. Um, so our winners came from you know, all walks of life and all different kinds of environments. Um, but there is one thing they all have in common, and that is a commitment to growing happier, healthier kids through gardening. So there's one school that does come to mind, if you'll indulge me. Um, the Valencia Newcomer School is a really unique program based in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and it was created to help local refugee and immigrant children adapt to life in the United States. Um, as you can imagine, many of these children have experienced trauma and as a result have behavioral and emotional needs, um, you know, beyond what, what a normal student population would, would normally have. So the mission of this school is to prepare their students and to support them to enter a more mainstream public school system. And they use the, a garden as a really key tool to focus on whole child development, to give them that sort of therapeutic space to engage and to explore. It's a place where, um, you know, it can reinforce language skills um, and connect to a bunch of different academic subjects. But it also really supports the student's emotional growth um, and positive social development. So we are incredibly proud to be able to support them. They were actually one of the top five winners of our Youth Garden Grant this year. Um, and that's the Valencia Newcomer School in Phoenix, Arizona. So that's just one that comes to mind. Wow, you know, 221 program grants uh, just in a year, I think is is amazing. And, you know, it, it makes sense, you know, just thinking from a horticulture industry perspective, when you talk about rooftop gardens, pollinator gardens, those are all right in the wheelhouse of what yeah. our industry does on a day-to-day -day basis. but my goodness, impacting immigrant and refugee kids in all those different ways. That's something that certainly stands out and probably doesn't cross people's minds, but it really reinforces the importance of what we all do in the industry um, and the importance of the products and programs that we people grow and sell. I just think it's really cool to hear about impacts like that, just because it is kind of outside the, the the standard frame of reference. When people grow a plant, they don't necessarily think of of how it can help a person integrate into a community and take away some of those traumas and barriers that can stand in the way. That is really really cool to hear about. Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, the therapeutic benefits are 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 just you know kind of the tip of the iceberg. So. Well, sure. And you think, you know, you hear about horticultural therapy and sometimes you think, you know, folks with, with physical challenges and, mm -hmm. you know, but there are so, there's so much more to it that really just adds value and um, I think can inspire uh, folks in the industry, especially when, when times get really busy to, to think about the impact that the products we all grow and sell can have on a person. That's Certainly. fantastic. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when we talk about that, that kind of an impact that the grant program and the youth gardens can have on communities and within communities, that is really amazing to hear about. But what does it take for a school or organization to apply? And I guess kind of on the other side of the coin, how can companies and individuals in horticulture be a part of, of what you guys are doing? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for asking. So, you know, we try to make it really easy for schools and other youth garden programs to apply for funding um, through our grant program. So 
Um, each program has slightly different eligibility requirements, so we do um, ask that you, you know, schools or, or garden programs look at those carefully before they make a decision to apply. Um, but all of the information is available on our website, and the best way to uh, make sure that you're the first to hear about it is to sign up for our newsletter, and we will send a notification as soon as each uh, unique grant program opens in the fall. Um, so most of our grants do open in the fall when school is back in session. And not all of the grant programs require you to be a school to apply for funding. We do have several programs that are open to, you know, a community center or an after school program. Um, you name it, any sort of any sort of group that serves youth um, is is open to apply to a couple of the grants. There are some that are limited just to schools, though. Um, and on the flip side of that, you know, I'd say the best way for our um, colleagues in the horticulture industry to be a part of this work is to come on board as sponsors for our Cornerstone Grant Program, the Youth Garden Grant. Um, this is the one we've been running since 1982 and the, the program that supported the Valencia Newcomer School in Phoenix this year. So we're actively recruiting um, more industry sponsors to, to come on board and join us. There's opportunities to get involved at all levels. Um, so if you're interested, I'll make sure to share my contact information with Bill so he can post that in the show notes so you can get in touch with us and learn more. Excellent. And I will certainly add those links. Um, you know, you, you talk about how, how easy it is for schools and youth garden programs to get involved. And I guess that spurs a question, which is how widespread are these youth garden programs? I mean, I, I, I get the schools, I get the way it integrates into different curriculum, but how, you know, do, do a lot of communities have these youth garden programs, whether it's an after school or a community group? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing, you know, youth gardens pop up all over the country and in all sorts of different places in alleyways, on rooftops, you know, um, and out in even rural communities as well. So we have applicants from all 50 states every single year, and we do our best to to try to distribute the awards, um, you know, across the country geographically and to different kinds of programs, urban and rural and, you know, large and small schools, things of that nature. But there's we're seeing an increase in um, applications year after year, which just speaks to how fast and how, um, you know, how big this movement is becoming, because I think folks are really catching on to the value of a garden as a as an incredible teaching tool and accessible space um, and an affordable option for some hands-on learning opportunities. So it's really catching on. That's great to hear. I, I think, um, you know, as, as listeners know, and anyone who's listened for any period of time to this podcast, they, they know that I'm passionate about education. I have two daughters in elementary and middle school. My wife's a middle school science and math teacher. I see the value in obviously education, but also in integrating the garden into education. And I know how schools work and how lucky we all are to have engaged and dynamic teachers in our lives. And I know that kids gardening is a resource and supports educators. So can you talk a little bit more about how the organization provides this array of resources and maybe help the listeners understand both the scope of the content available and how the content and how the, the resources are used in the classroom? Yeah, sure. So we are really proud of the original content that we have developed over the years, and we are continuing to develop more um, each month. And so, you know, you name it, we probably have a lesson plan or an activity related to it. We've developed activities um, for, you know, ages preschool through high school, on topics ranging from soil to pollinators to growing plants in space. Um, we also have resources designed for a range of subject areas. So, you know, the garden can be used for hands-on learning um, to connect to so many subject areas like art and history and literature. It's not just for science and math, um, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> so we've also designed a number of resources for um, for those educators and volunteers that are maybe just starting out in the process and maybe they don't even have a garden at the school or at the community center and they just want to start from scratch. So we have a whole lot of resources designed to help you envision the program, to organize a team, to creating a sustainable program. Um, we also have a number of resources called growing guides, which are kind of fun and they're intended to support, you know, those among us, perhaps not your loyal listeners, 
uh, who don't necessarily have the greenest thumb <laughs> and are unsure of where to begin. So this is a tool, you know, these growing guides and many of our lessons and activities are designed to, to really help um, folks engage with kids in the garden, regardless of their background, you know, to help folks realize that they don't have to be a horticulturalist necessarily in order to help spark that love of gardening and that joy and that um, and that sense of awe that kids have when they finally do get to pull a carrot out of the ground, for example, for the first time. So how much of the content is original versus content that's that's um, kind of being shared? Is it all yeah. original? content? So it's, all, it's all original. We're really proud to say it's all um, original content um, written by our kids gardening educators over the years. Um, we've also worked with a number on a number of publications with colleagues from peer organizations. So we do a lot of collaborative um, developing and, and publishing as well. But yes, it is all original content. That's cool. And I know from looking through some of the content that it really does focus across grade levels. It's not all for elementary or all for middle. It really does cover all sorts of different ages and grades. And then I do yeah. like how you mentioned, and I will reiterate that it's also can be divided up or, or sorted out by subject areas. So um, you're right. It's certainly gardening education can be applicable to far more than just math and science. So that that is great to hear. And I know that um, educators that I know who, who've looked at the resources available um, and understand you know, how to build curriculum, how to build lesson plans, do see value and are able to pretty easily integrate it into existing curriculum and lesson plans, whether you're a, a middle school teacher or you're, you know, someone who, who works at a, a community center and does classes for kids. So I'll, I'll vouch for the fact that it's very easily used and easily integrated information. Oh, well, thanks, Bill. That's great to hear. So I honestly, I don't know how many, you know, mentioned kids gardening's been around for more than 35 years which is fantastic. I just don't know how many of the listeners realized how much content is available from kidsgardening.org. Can you share, you know, I know that the the website's in the name. Um yeah. <laughs> but maybe the best ways to to jump into that portal and and find the information um and then perhaps some ways that you've seen it used in the past and maybe I shared a little bit, but what do teachers tell you about the content and how the students enjoy these lessons? Sure. So let me start from the beginning there. You know, the easiest way to access our content is to go to our website, kidsgardening.org, and there's a very easy tab, educational resources. You can find everything you need there. I also highly encourage you to sign up for our newsletter because that's where you'll receive the new content as it comes out each month. It's a monthly newsletter full of great activities and lesson plans. Um, also grant announcements and other fun content. Um, another great way is to follow and engage with us on our social media channels. You can find us on all the big ones. Um, and we put all of our content out there as well for you to find and share. Um, so we really hope that there's a ripple effect um, and that folks are able to, you know, if they find something, something that they like, um, share it within their networks as well. So we really want to make sure that these resources are getting out there and into the hands of educators will use them. Um, so we love getting feedback, um, when educators are using our resources, um, and we love hearing their creative ideas and their innovative spins, um, uh, and how they've adapted based on their environment or their, um, particular class needs or things of that nature. So, you know, it's, it's always so wonderful when we receive word from a teacher who's been out in the garden harvesting peas and broccoli with their, with their kiddos for the first time. And then, you know, who knows, maybe the next day in the lunch line, there's peas and broccoli on the salad bar and kids are far more likely to, to try those and taste those, um, than they would have been without that experience of being out in the garden. So, so we love hearing stories of, um, of success and aha moments. And we even love hearing the bloopers, you know, I think gardening is really just an experiment and it's a, it's a lesson in patience and love and, and sometimes failing forward. You know, it's okay if you come back after summer break and all of the tomato plants are dead. You know, that's a learning moment too. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah. So anyway, it's just really wonderful when we do hear from teachers out in the field um, about how they're using our resources. So we encourage you to get in touch and tell us what you liked and tell us what, what's missing and, and how we can do more and do better. 
So I'll just reiterate what Helen said. Suggest these resources to your favorite teacher. Um, I know, you know, it's funny. I was thinking when, when I was a kid, I think my parents talked to my teacher twice a year, right? It was at conferences. Right. Um, nowadays, I think that with email and social media, yeah. it's kind of a blessing <laughs> and a curse. You can, right. you can text the teacher half the time. So yeah. I do think that, you know, one of the benefits of having this sort of connection is that, you know, sharing resources, you know, wouldn't hurt to share share that link on in your your school's Facebook page or share a link to your you know your 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 kid's teacher or a teacher that you know um, via email you know it could be something that you know they've been looking to change up the curriculum a little bit and um, again the resources are so fantastic that I think that you know mo most teachers could find something valuable to to pick out of it um, and also you can use these resources you know, as, as a grower or a retailer or a landscaper, there's no reason why you can't create your own local program and conduct a class at your local community center or, you know, work with, uh, you know, the, the, the daycare uh, groups in your area, you know, invite them to your, your greenhouse and, and have a program and all the resources that you need would be available at kidsgardening.org. And like Helen said, I'll put links to um, the Growing Guides newsletter, Cornerstone link, educational resources um, all in the show notes as well. So work, you know, sh share this with, with the teachers that you know um, in your life. Great. Yeah. So let's have a little bit of fun right now because I know that, you know, you and the leadership of kidsgardening.org gets to travel sometimes and see these projects um, that, that you've helped fund and support, you know, really get out into the garden and engage with uh, the folks who put them together and the kids who can benefit and, you want to share a couple of fun stories that you guys have seen play out in the past couple of years? Yeah, sure. I'm so glad you asked. Um, so I actually just had the great fortune a couple of weeks ago to travel to Los Banos, California, um, out in the Central Valley. And um, we were visiting the school. They were the winner of our Budding Botanist grant program this year, one of six winners. Um, and it was just such an amazing program to see. I really just love any opportunity that we get to, to touch the work and to be out in the field with kids. Um, and this one was no exception. Um, but their teacher, Mr. D'Alba, as he's lovingly known by the students, um, is just such a committed educator. He's dedicated to providing hands-on learning for his students. Um, and one of the really wonderful things that he does is he empowers his kids each year to propose and design and then vote on a new type of garden that they're going to install on the school campus each year. So each year, the sixth grade class gets to leave their mark on their community and have a real impact that will last for years to come and that will benefit all of the kids coming up behind them, which is just such a beautiful tradition. Um, and so we got to go visit this school and we went on this amazing tour through these mature citrus orchards that were planted you know, probably 15 years ago now, even longer, um, rose gardens, um, an oasis garden that was modeled after ancient Egypt, where kids are doing a, a hands-on archaeology dig as well. I mean, there's just such cool stuff happening, just scattered in, in the corners everywhere on this campus. Um, and it was all inspired by, um, by this really wonderful teacher and executed by, by the students each year. And so they maintain all of the different garden spaces and are really, really involved in spending a lot of time um, outdoors, getting their hands dirty and experimenting and, and learning by doing. So um, that's really what, what this is all about for us. Um, so this year's class um, are fantastic, just as all of the classes who came before them, but they decided on starting a carnivorous plant garden. So that was really cool to see. They just... Um, they just planted their um, their you know pitcher plants and Venus flytraps, and the kids were just totally in awe and full of questions and just brimming with with life and enthusiasm um, around this project. So that was just such a joy to see, and we're again really proud to support them as um, budding botanist grant winners this year. That's cool. What kid doesn't like carnivorous plants? That is a, mean, a fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. These, so you talked a little bit about this this program in Los Banos, and and it sounds like they really have a, a committed champion that teacher that you referenced. So, do these gardens and programs 
do they most of the time last and, and continue once the grant money is used? And, and what, what does it take? I mean, I'm sure not 100% do, but for the most part, do you, do you hear stories and do people get back to you and say, hey, you know, this, this first year program supported by the Garden Grant really, you know, took off and became a sustainable ongoing thing? Is that something you guys hear a lot? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, as you mentioned, it, it can be difficult to sustain um, a school or youth garden program. You know, you really need to have a solid team. It wasn't just this one teacher. He was he was sort of the spearhead, um, you know, making sure that, you know, he was leading the charge. But he definitely had a supportive group of administrators and other teachers and parent volunteers that were that were coming out to ensure that this program um, would live on year after year after year. But it definitely takes work. And so, you know, that's one of the values that we try to instill um, throughout our grant program is we encourage our applicants to think through the sustainability plan and not just, you know, what are they going to do with the funding for this season? You know, but really to think about what it. What is your plan for maintaining it over the summertime if there isn't um, anyone on campus? What are you going to do next year? Who are the other members of your garden committee? Um, so we really ask them to think through that process and really propose that more sustainable structure. Um, and those are usually the programs that rise to the top um, and are selected as winners. Um, we also do offer a number of resources, like I mentioned earlier, on um, how to think through sustaining a garden program and what are the elements of a really, um, you know, strong program that will withstand the test of time and teachers moving on and kids, you know, graduating out of the school and things of that nature. So all of those dynamics are, are going to be at play. Um, but really, the more you can celebrate the garden and share with your community what you're doing um, and get other community members and parents um, and other teachers involved, the more successful it's going to be over the years. So. Makes a lot of sense. If you can get the community involved and sort of spread that champion mentality out further yeah. than just one person, it's going to have a whole heck of a lot uh, better chance of being sustainable. That's, exactly. That's really and we, we often hear from our previous grant winners um, saying, you know, it was really wonderful to receive the grant from you. And because of the grant funds, that we received from you, we were able to leverage that and go to our local hardware store or garden center and receive additional donations to support the program. You know, by winning this this grant from Kids Gardening, it really you know added this boost of legitimacy for the program and 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 sense of pride in the program. So we've seen we've seen the funding that that's been awarded by us be leveraged, you know, to more to generate more resources from within the community as well, which is really exciting to see. No, that is. And it actually is a perfect, perfect. segue into my next question, which is really, you know, I, we've talked a little bit about how how, you know, someone in the industry can get exposed a little bit more and, and hear and find out more about kids gardening. Um, and we talked a little bit about how to support the garden grant program and the cornerstone uh, grant sponsorship, but you guys do a lot more and the industry support I know is invaluable. And certainly there, there's a, a garden educator and an opportunity in every single community. There's a garden program or certainly the need for a garden program in every community. And similarly, there is a greenhouse garden center or landscape business in every single community. So how That's where I see I see the relevance <laughs> is just so clear to me. And I know that, you know, certainly you, you guys would love to see more involvement from the professional side of the horticulture industry. So I guess why is kids gardening important for horticulture? We've touched on a few of the reasons, but I know there are more. And if someone listening to this podcast, you know, that that story about the that school garden in California or something really, you know, kickstarted this this thought, man, I'd really like to get involved in either sharing, you know, there's all sorts of different things that someone could share with, with the program. Um, just why do you see, why do you see this as valuable to the horticulture industry professional side? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think we really are working to help grow your future customers and employees. Um, you know, when kids have access to a garden um, from a young age and develop this love of plants, um, and the natural world and develop inquisitive minds, you know, that's only going to help all of us down the line. Um, but more than that, I think we can find that our industry partners, such as yourselves, um, 
have many of the same goals that we do. And we're fortunate to work with several garden centers, small family farms, nurseries around the country that do directly support our youth garden grant program um, as sponsors. And we uh, welcome and actually are actively recruiting more so that we can reach more schools like the Valencia Newcomer School and like the school in Los Banos, California um, to be able to nurture and, and grow their programs. So for any loyal STEM listeners out there that would like more information um, about how to get involved with the Youth Garden Grant Program, um, Bill's going to share my contact information and, and some uh, further information in the, in the show notes. But we are always looking to have uh, more partners on board sponsoring our Youth Garden Grant Program. Awesome. And I, I can... I can think of all sorts of different benefits that a local business could get from the involvement, just from, you know, being, being a part and sharing and sort of the goodwill that's generated and, you know, certainly promoting your business and picking up additional new customers. Yeah. Everybody likes to partner with the businesses that support the schools and support the community programs. And, you know, if your business is aligned with a program like kids gardening, that is benefiting kids, um, it's only going to reflect positively on the business. And you mentioned family farms, greenhouses, garden centers, landscape, you know, designers. I think that our whole industry can, can find a way to be involved. Exactly. And we would love, we'd be thrilled to, to help you share that story and share, you know, some of the impact that you're having um, by, by joining us as a partner, as a sponsor with the grant. So we can, um, you know, touch base on all kinds of ideas. Um, we have posters that you can put at a point of sale. We have badges for websites, you know, whatever, whatever your needs are to help tell the story of, of your involvement, we are there for you. Um, and I also just kind of on the other side, um, I want to encourage you just to consider other ways to be directly involved in your local community too. Um, you know, reaching out to that local school district, I think Bill was mentioning earlier, really can be very impactful. Um, offering to volunteer your time to a local garden program, um, giving them some advice on, you know, what to grow where and how to maintain certain things. Um, also, you know, if you have a nursery or farm, think about inviting a local school out um, for a field trip to your location. It can be so rewarding to just have that in-person um, exchange and to, and to invite the next generation out, um, into, into the wild world of horticulture. So I encourage you to think of those things too. For sure. And I know that, you know, a lot of times you read articles or blogs or people are, oh, bemoaning the fact that kids don't even know where their food comes from anymore. This, you know, I think that, you know, people probably don't even know where that boxwood came from either. So there's no reason why, why, it wouldn't be exciting to, you know, it's, it's what we do from a, on a day-to-day basis. And certainly a grower might not walk into their greenhouse and think it's all that exciting after a long, hard spring, but kids think it is absolutely fantastic, fantastic and fascinating. And seeing that behind the scenes is certainly something that, that could add value to your business in the community and also in, inspire a, a kid. And like you said, it could be that future best employee you've ever had. So just yeah. getting that bug early. Yeah, exactly. So along those lines, and you mentioned the legitimacy and and how affiliating with an organization like Kids Gardening and the grant program can bring some little bit legitimacy. And you talked about the point of sale signs and everything like that, which is awesome. And I guess along those same lines, I've, I've been in the industry for a while. I've seen a lot of programs come and go. I've seen some struggle to remain relevant. I've seen others really take hold and, and, you know, get rooted and become an integral part of the industry. Kidsgardening.org has been around. You said you guys had your first grants in 1982. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is a long time. And I know that certainly not sitting still and you have big plans for the future. So what is it about this organization that's resulted in this sustained programming that has had so much impact? Yeah, you know, I'd say it's really our grant programs and our educational resources have stood the test of time, um, in part because schools are always going to need resources and youth garden programs are always going to need resources. But really, you know, many of the lesson plans we're putting out there and activities are just timeless. Um, you know, we're, we're teaching um, kids about where their food comes from and, and, and how plants grow. And those things are always going to be fascinating and always going to be relevant. 
you know, we're also always staying on top of um, the changing academic standards, like the next generation science standards and the common core and, and working to align our content with, um, with all of those so that educators feel empowered um, to be able to use those. Um, so we've also been offering a variety of different grant programs each year. But having our youth garden grant uh, be that cornerstone program since 1982, like you mentioned, and it's just been so amazing to see the returns of that investment year after year after year. Um, so we really do believe that a small infusion of resources into a school or youth garden program can go a really long way. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a few hundred dollars or a few cubic feet of donated soil that's needed to jumpstart a program that will benefit kids for years to come. That's cool. And you mentioned that the lessons are timeless, but but you guys really stay up to date on the standards. And I think that yeah. that's um, that that's certainly important to the educators um, that you're collaborating with. Yeah. So one of the cool things that I've learned about kidsgardening.org um, in the time that I've been involved um, with you guys is that is the way that the organization partners so well with other organizations whether they're working to grow awareness, engaging young people, promoting horticulture and gardening. Why do you feel that this type of peer-to-peer -peer collaboration is important and not seeing other organizations as you know competing for the same resources? Yeah, I think it's essential. Collaboration is, is only going to make us all stronger. And we genuinely believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. So you know, we understand our niche is to provide original educational resources and our grant programs. Um, and each of our peer organizations operating in this um, in this space around youth gardening has a role to play in advancing the movement for all of us. Um, and as we talked about earlier, youth gardening is growing by leaps and bounds. So each of us on our own are never going to be able to meet the growing needs of every program across the country. So it's really important that we find ways to come together and work together and and, and do more together. So we're really proud to work alongside um, peer organizations um, such as Seed Your Future, the American Horticultural Society, Life Lab, Whole Kids Foundation. I could go on and on and on and on and on. And I don't, <laughs> uh, forgive me if I've left anyone off of the list, but um, so we're proud to partner with a lot of these organizations. Um, and we do so, you know, ranging from collaborating on new curriculum to presenting at conferences, developing professional development opportunities and webinars, and so much more. So I think it's exciting. And I know the list is long, and that alone gives a lot of hope for. Um, the future of a lot of these organizations, because you're right, no one can do it on their own, especially if the the need is expanding, which is the hope and is something that you're seeing. That's really cool. Yeah. So looking at the near future here, as we kind of get wrapped up on this podcast, what are some of the current projects that Kids Gardening is working on? And maybe, you know, some of your goals for the next year or two. I know that your to-do list is extremely long and <laughs> uh, dynamic and probably growing on and a daily basis. Growing. <laughs> right. I mean, a to do yeah. list is certainly not a static thing. So what what are you guys working on for the near future? Yeah. So, you know, right now we're focused on exploring new ways to deliver our content and to reach more people with our content um, and also to be able to better connect the garden educators that we serve to one another. So, you know, arguably, I'd say our biggest untapped resource is the experience and the inspiration and the ideas that all of the educators we serve can provide to one another more directly. So we're working on some creative, innovative ways to address that. Um, so, but also always on our to-do list is growing our grant programs. We really wish we could award funding to all of the worthy um, applicants that we receive. Um, this year, in 20, the 2018-19 school year, we were only able to fund about 12% of the programs that applied. Um, and there were many, many more shovel-ready programs out there that applied, supported by amazing educators and volunteers, and they're just waiting for support. So we're really hoping to be able to grow um, our resources to provide more grants to more, um, to more worthy programs. So, Wow, 12, 12%. That means that the need and the interest is there, and certainly yeah. um, with, with even more involvement, the, the impact that Kids Gardening can have is really unlimited. Yeah, um, 
So we're really proud of the reach that we do have and the number of awards we are able to give, but we would love to give so many more. So <laughs> join us. Yeah, I mean, you said you awarded 221. I'm not going to do the math here on the fly, but <laughs> wow, that is that is fantastic. And yeah. you talked about new ways to deliver content. Man, for an organization that's been around for 30 years, I bet all the different ways to deliver content continuously change. And I think it's exciting. You know, I encourage folks to go to kidsgardening.org and see um, really what is a, a tremendous and easy to use platform. And then you talked about connecting educators and certainly communities um, are top of mind these days. And the technology uh, available is making uh, connecting easier and easier uh, every single year. So, you know, the, the exciting opportunity to connect these educators and is really, I got to believe, going to be um, sort of exponential in the way that this can grow. Yeah. So what have we missed? We should probably get wrapped <laughs> up here. I know that you've got kids to, to work with and um, it's certainly uh, for, for those listening in real time, a busy time of the year, but yeah. you know, I could talk youth gardening all day, believe me. Um, but <laughs> what, what have we missed? Are there any last bits of information you want to share with the listeners? Sure. Yeah. There's just one more thing I'd love to touch base on. Cause it's just so fun. Um, so each year we run a Kids Garden Month contest in April, um, and it's a month-long contest where we reach out through social media and email and, you know, our website and all kinds of channels, and we invite kids to tell us what grows in their garden. Um, and we encourage them this year to think beyond just zucchinis and zinnias and to think about things like compassion and creativity and love um, and any other ideas that the kids are going to have. So we received entries, you know, from all over the country. Um, there were seed collages, there were digital drawings of garden plans, there were parody music videos. One girl submitted a video on how to construct a strawberry tower um, and just so much more. We were blown away by the responses we got from kids of all ages from all across the country. I think over about a thousand kids that participated in the contest this year. Um, so it's just so inspiring to see their love of gardening manifest in such creative ways. So stay tuned for next year's contest. It'll hopefully be even bigger and even more fun. And my challenge, I guess, based on that to everyone in the industry is get involved in Kids Garden Month. I mean, talk about a an easy sort of gift-wrapped way to, to, to do a promotion in April. Um, all the resources are available. There's hashtags you can promote on your social media. Um, I love the fact that you got videos and music videos because, you know, back in the day it used to be what color, color a picture and send it right. in. And now there's yeah. so many more multimedia yeah. ways to, to create something really exciting. And I love that you guys do this. I think that, you know, any opportunity to get the more messaging out in April is going to be beneficial to our entire industry. So my challenge to all the listeners, figure out a way to get involved in Kids Garden Month. Um, if you have a marketing person in your organization, encourage them to look into it. And um, it could be a really fun way to engage your community and certainly get kids involved uh, next next year in April. Yeah, definitely. So I know that we've given a, a bunch of different um, opportunities and ways to get involved throughout this episode. But I guess just one more time before we go, how can listeners reach you for more information or to donate? And are there you know, we're going to put the links to the newsletters and, you know, if there's any other way to stay informed, um, shout it out. But uh, certainly if, if, if listeners want to contact um, Kids Gardening directly and maybe, you know, once they've poked through the, the website and signed up for the newsletter, if they have any additional questions, what's the best way to, to stay in touch or to yeah. get in touch? Yeah, so I'm I'm always open to receive email. You can reach me at helenr at kidsgardening.org, and we'll make sure that's included in the show notes so you don't have to write it down. Um, and, you know, everything else you should be able to find at kidsgardening.org or find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. And our links are on our website, too, so you don't even have to write those down. Um, but we'd love to have you join us wherever it makes the most sense for you. Um, and we'd love to encourage you to consider donating to, to support um, our work as well or joining us as a sponsor for the Youth Garden Grant. Those are sort of the two best ways to immediately support our work right now. That's cool. And now that everyone's been exposed to kidsgardening.org, it's one of those things. Now that you've heard about it, you're going to start seeing it. 
in action, you'll see the, the organization referenced in all sorts of trade media, um, on social media, it's conferences and events. Um, keep your eye out. And when you see someone from kidsgardening.org, mention you heard about them on the podcast and, and go up and give them a high five for all the great work that they're doing. So I want to thank you so much, Helen, for being uh, with me on STEM today and for sharing all this great information. And for STEM listeners, go online, learn about kidsgardening.org, consider supporting this organization, share its resources with folks in your community, with teachers, with educators, connect with them on social media, stay up to date through the newsletter, because getting kids engaged with gardening, supporting local programs, starting your own local programs, and working with educators really is paramount to the future of our industry, building future customers, future employees, and driving home the value of nature in our lives. I really do think that now is the time for action. So again, Helen, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure we will talk again in the future. We sure will. Thank you so much for all that you do for kids gardening and for joining, uh, for inviting me to join you on the STEM podcast today. It's been a blast. Awesome. And uh, to all the STEM listeners, uh, I know that this, if you're listening in real time, it's a super busy time of the year. So go out there and, and make it happen in the world of horticulture. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros, and special thanks for helping us reach 10,000 downloads. That is a huge milestone in the podcasting world. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and give it a good rating on your podcast player, or better yet, write a quick review or share with your coworkers and peers. This will help expose more potential listeners to STEM. We really appreciate the support. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. That's B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com. And be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And now you can follow STEM Greenhouse Podcast on Instagram. That's STEM Greenhouse Podcast, all one term, for behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks, and all sorts of good stuff. Let's end this episode with a quote about the future from Malcolm X. Education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today.